Welcome to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. You're listening on EWTN Radio or St. Gabriel Radio. Beyond Damascus is carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Hello and welcome to the Beyond Damascus show. My name is Dan Dimite. I'm the executive director here at Damascus, and I'm joined here in the studio with my good friends and brothers in Christ, Brad Pierron yes. and Aaron Richards. Hey, Dan. We are bringing you a great show today. We're going to be talking about reaching the lost and using no other than Jesus as the prototype he's, on how he's pretty to good. reach usually the Usually the right one. You know, I yeah. think usually when you're trying to do something, uh, using Jesus as your example is a good way to go. And yes. so... Um, it's going to be an incredible show. We're going to talk about kind of look at what Jesus did and his strategy in reaching the lost and how we can grow and learn from that. Uh, you guys doing well today? Doing well. Yeah, yeah excited to talk about it. It's so a good day. Our show is called Beyond Damascus. Our heart here at Damascus <laughs> is to really be a place uh, where encounter meets mission. We want to uh, allow this show to really launch us to understand how those Damascus moments in our life are not just meant for us to like indulge mm. in our own spiritual life and to like, um, but in Christian community, but then to like realize that from that encounter, those mm-hmm. Damascus moments, like St. Paul, we need to go out on mission mm-hmm. and we need to reach the lost. And so really this show is kind of summarizing St. Paul's experience as mm-hmm. well. He had this encounter with Jesus Christ and then that encounter propelled him to say, hey, I need to take Jesus to the Gentile world yeah. and uh, the Gentile world needs Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's real. <laughs> yes, we all need Jesus. <laughs> That's right. That's so right. Uh, Aaron, why don't you open us up a prayer? In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God, give us your heart. Uh, Evangelization doesn't work without you. Mm -hmm. So Jesus, uh, teach us, teach us how you love. I pray that as we, uh, as we engage in conversation today, and as our audience joins us today, that each of us would um, be be struck with conviction, Mm -hmm. God, not of what we should do, what we ought to do, what the right thing is to do, but Jesus, that what is it that we do when we're motivated by love for another? You were the perfect image of evangelization. Um, God, you modeled it well. And we pray that you would give us your heart for your people, that you'd give us the heart for the lost that, that, that transformed the world and has transformed the world over ages as men and women respond to the call to love others as they love themselves. Yeah. Jesus, uh, thank you. Be present here today, and Holy Spirit, I pray that you convict the hearts of those who need it most. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Name Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Aaron, that prayer was sweet. I I think it really... You asked that the Lord would give us a heart for the lost, and that's so yeah. important. And uh, I yeah. think that may be one of the most important things just to really address today is that we we don't really, as a church, reach the lost if we don't have a heart for the lost. <laughs> like yeah, if we're just okay with going through life and like we just assume anyone who's like a good person is going to get to heaven. There there mm-hmm. isn't this missionary heart that wells up inside of us. Brad, what mm-hmm. kind of fostered that in you? Yeah, I think uh, I think a heart for the lost is ultimately the key to the Christian life because whenever I develop a heart for the lost, I actually develop the same heart that Jesus has. Oh, for me, that's a good right? word. <laughs> <That> like, <laughs> or um, just the heart of Jesus. Yes, yeah. right. Because when Jesus looks at Brad, right, he, he looks at the areas of Brad's life that are lost. Yeah, and he discovers like ways to bring Brad into finding who he was made to be in those places, right? Like the, the Lord wants to look 
into me and say, okay, these are the areas where Brad is lost and I want him to find me there. And in that same way, we can look at the world like that. When I look at the lost in the world, I think Mm. the heart that I've developed for them is because the Lord has that heart for me. And I wouldn't have that heart for them if he didn't have it for me. And Mm so I I think, I don't know, I, 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 for a long time kind of wrestled with this, um, this concept of the loss, because we live in a world where everybody just wants to be okay. You know, it's like, everyone's okay, just as they are. No one mentioned the elephants in the room that we're not all okay. Um, But actually when I, when I can see that, okay, actually there's areas where I'm not okay, Mm -hmm. but Jesus looks into those areas and wants to bring himself there. I can look in the world and say, okay, there's areas where that's not okay. I just want to bring him there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, I feel like if, for me, it's just been this process of like, I trust Jesus's words, right? And mm-hmm. like, uh, you read scripture, and I think sometimes we, we read the words of Christ that are consoling to us as an individual as truth, but then we forget the, the really hard words of Christ are equally true, right? Like when Jesus says uh, that hilarious. no one comes to the Father except <clears throat> through me, like that, that it, it does something inside of me, like, oh my gosh, if that is true, there are people who don't know him. And, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. and in order for them to get to the Father, in order for them to go to, like, to experience eternal life and, uh, and experience eternal joy, I need to do something to yeah. make sure they know Jesus. Right. And, right. Well, and what's, what's even funnier is this, this shouldn't be foreign to us as Catholics. Like, we, our, our faith is founded, our source and summit lies on the fact that we take, mm-hmm. we take Jesus at his word in the most difficult and confusing statement that he made in the scripture. Yeah. But, <laughs> oh, it was like the bread and light yeah, discourse. Yes. But, but the, the commissionings of evangelization, we often are like, yeah, that must just be <laughs> right. It must yeah. just be for someone. Uh-huh. Else. Yeah. Or, or like it was for a, a church before us, yeah. you know, like our church is established now we're doing okay. And like those, those words were for the ones who were starting this thing, <laughs> yeah. but now let's just maintain it. And I, I don't know, something about that, like... There may have been a time tempting. in history when that was yeah. appropriate. Yeah, yeah, maybe. But it's not today. Maybe, but it's <laughs> certainly not today, no. Yeah. Well, and I think it's... Uh, I think sometimes we don't actually talk about reaching the lost in the church. It, it's a little... It could be... It could sound a little offensive to an extent where it's like, okay, like, we're we're in the club and you're out of the club. Like, yeah. and so, like, we have to go help you. And so I think there's probably a little bit of a... a, a a way that we can talk about reaching the lost that isn't offensive, right? Yeah. That like, so who are the lost and yeah. how do we define, like, who are we trying to reach <laughs> if we're talking about reaching the lost? Well, I think the fear comes from the fact that historically, like in our lives, when we've seen people label us or we've labeled others, it's come with a pejorative or like a derogatory term attached to it. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah. whenever I'm labeling the lost, I'm not labeling them as anything different than me. And I've already talked about this a little bit, but I think it's important for us in our conversation that like, it's not a they and us conversation. This is a yep. we conversation that anyone who is found was once lost. Yeah. That like, I, I think that can shift our perspective because to your point, Dan, I think it's a challenging conversation for some of us because we don't want to just attribute a label to all of the people who don't know Jesus. Mm. But actually in attributing a label to them, I can actually say to myself, okay, well, no, this is a demographic of people and I want to reach them in a way that I wouldn't be able to if I didn't strategize for this group of people. So yeah. like, it's actually a way for us to be more strategic, not like more hateful. It's actually a way for us to bring in more love, not more judgment. And so like, I actually think that when we can begin seeing that I was once lost Mm. and now I'm found, 
I can begin seeing the hope in the label of lost. Yeah. Because if you're lost, you're not necessarily certain that you're lost. Yeah. And if you are certain you're lost, you can't find yourself. Yeah. So again, I don't know. I yeah, there's no, there shouldn't be any pride at all. Right. I remember growing up, my mom used to do something and, <clears throat> and I, it, it's become so innate into me. Um, when we would drive and see someone on the side of the street who you could tell was like living a sinful lifestyle mm-hmm. or was just lost, right? Mm-hmm. She would always just quote St. Augustine and she'd say, there go I, but for the grace of God. And mm-hmm. it just, as a child, it filled yeah. me with like uh, an acknowledgement yeah. of mercy and Still to this day, whenever I, I'm driving I and I see things, I'm always, mm-hmm. there go I, but for the grace of God and the mercy of God. And it, what it does is it just fills your heart with mercy all yeah. of a sudden to yep. realize, man, like I'm so lucky and I'm so blessed. Like I've yeah. done nothing in this equation um, yep. to merit the grace that God has poured out of me mm-hmm. and to merit like the family I had, the upbringing I had that brought me into relationship with Jesus, the experiences I had. Like for, I mean, we partner with grace, but God, <laughs> God has done much more work in me than I've done for him. Yeah, I'd right. say that's fair. <laughs> I was uh, I was studying for the I, I was giving a presentation on divine mercy this past year, and there was a there was a unique quote in in understanding kind of the the theory, the theology of divine mercy, of merciful love, mm-hmm. and it, it says something along the lines of like the the person who is most down on their luck, like the person who's most destitute and most lost in sin, who in our eyes least deserves mm-hmm. the love of God. Yeah. That is the one who's actually um who who has a greater uh a greater claim on Jesus's merciful love. Mm-hmm. That 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 mercy is is precisely the love that you don't deserve. Mm-hmm. And and it's it's a love that only Jesus can provide. So yeah. so we mm-hmm. as God's hands and feet like yeah. this is this is our job, you know. Mm. Uh as as we kind of as we kind of wrap up a starting point for conversation mm-hmm. today. When, when, when we say, when we speak of ministry to the lost, it's not a, this is not a subset of humanity. Like this is, That's this really is the, the Christian call that when we That's love right. like Jesus, mm-hmm. we have to realize that it, it constantly calls us to question our assumptions yep. of God. Um, what is unconditional love? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and am I loving, am I evangelizing in a way yeah. that's, that's without condition, yeah. Right, mm. that doesn't need you to fill a certain, uh, to to fit a certain box mm-hmm. in order for in order for me to, to to determine that you're worthy of my time. What do you mm-hmm. think some of the conditions we put in place are, Aaron? I mean, I I, I was thinking as you guys were starting to to speak today, mm-hmm. like we as Damascus can speak on experts and a lot of, as experts in a lot of different fields. Um, I I don't know that in all ways that we can speak as experts in ministry to the lost, right? Yeah. You know, our, our, our flagship program, Catholic Youth Summer Camp, like we, we ministered to 6,000 kids every summer, mm-hmm. but um, I don't know how many of them have, have come here that have not been Christian. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah sure. The majority like, of them sure. are 98% like, of them are in Catholic. families of faith. Um, yep. 98% of them are Catholic. The two, the other 2% come from they're the, they're the non-Catholic friends of the Catholics who are here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we haven't actually taken a, yeah. a concerted effort toward 
yeah. toward, toward ministry in that way. Yeah, mm-hmm. public confession time, right? And I mean, I think my heart has been really convicted over the last few months that, um, man, I, I hang out with way too many, like, so we're just so blessed yeah. by Christian community. And mm-hmm. like all <laughs> of my best friends are deeply like Christian, right? They're, yeah. they're mm-hmm. on fire Catholics. And we have an amazing parish community that has all, like, is very active. We, you know, you send your kids to d- different Catholic schools. And so they're on Catholic sports teams and it's possible. I mean, not every Catholic, I think, is as blessed as we are. Thank you, Jesus, to have such strong community in their life. But we have such strong community that it, my heart was being convicted, like, do I even hang out with anyone yeah. who's yeah. lost, yeah. right? And and to start, like, I started taking active measures to to actually seek the lost, yeah. right? Yeah. To find yeah. them and to engage them, not in, like, just pure evangelization effort. Like, hey, I'm mm-hmm. going to go street evangelization and just, like, talk to you for two minutes and then talk about Jesus and then pray with you and then leave. Right. Because that's nice, but it's also like, kind of just like, sure. uh, kind of like just drive by, drive by. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But actually yeah. engage in deep conversation and get to know them on mm-hmm, a human yeah. level. And what I've discovered is sometimes we can even kind of portray this, um, light of the loss that they're like far off and distant and they're living these lives of insane debauchery and yeah. like evil. And it's like, wait, no, you're essentially a, like you're fundamentally a good person and yeah, we, we right. have shared values and there's actually, there's light in your life mm-hmm. and you, you just aren't in relationship with Jesus and in the Christian community. Like, but I can have deep relationship with you on a common level to bring you yeah. Yeah. into relationship. Well, and I with also, Jesus. I also think it can be a danger for people in ministry. So like we work for an apostolate, right? I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people listening to this that work for a parish or for a diocese. But like what originally got me into ministry was a heart for the lost. Like yeah. you asked me at the beginning, Dan, like how did you develop a heart for the lost? And then I was talking about that idea that like, well, it's because Jesus found me when I was lost, yep. right? And so then I was like, I want to go and bring you to the lost, Jesus. Like I want them to experience the same thing I experienced when I met you. And like over time, you can lose that just in the routine of ministry. Yeah. And I, I think that like, that's a good place for us to start too, is that actually like this show, more than talking about experts and things we're doing every day, is getting back to a heart that we first had when we said yes mm-hmm. to ministry anyway. Because mm-hmm. you don't get into ministry because you want to simply attend to people who already know Jesus. Yeah, Like you get to a place where you're like, no, this is true and this is good and this is beautiful and everyone deserves a chance yeah. to hear it, see it, taste it, and know it. Yeah. Yeah. And so like this conversation today like there's, there's ways that in our lives we're trying to do this and there's ways in our life that we've fallen away from it. But I think if we can get back to that heart in the conversation, it'll do all of us well, right? Because well, that's where we started. And for lay people who may be watching, who are working in the secular world, I think sometimes there can be this pressure of like, man, I'm not as good as a minister, as good as a disciple, as as good yeah. as a missionary, as someone who's in full-time ministry. And it's, no, you're, you're actually just, like, yeah. you're more positioned to do the ministry of Jesus than anyone. Like, our job to yeah. some extent is to equip the holy ones for the work of ministry. And, and then you go out and you're already in these stratas, yeah. in in the world where the lost are to have human relationship mm-hmm. with them and to minister to them in a very natural yeah, way, yeah. which is we should see our lay people as blessed, right? Yeah, like mm-hmm. that you're in a place where you can really mm-hmm. influence the world and sanctify the lost in a way that we don't get to do every, every single day on right. a full-time basis. Yeah. And, uh, mm-hmm. So 
that yeah, that's it's kind of sad. I had I had a great opportunity um, uh, last week. I had the opportunity. My wife and I went to uh, France and natural. Uh, just <laughs> do we all? We yeah, me too. We, it actually <laughs> it actually was kind of a spontaneous trip. <laughs> and France, the country, not yeah. some like random town and, in a state in um, America. There is Paris here in Ohio. So we were engaged yeah, in a, we were engaged in a conference uh, that was that was completely focused on mission, and uh, we were asked to come and, and present. And honestly, one of my, my, my biggest takeaways was a relationship that uh, I continued to develop with a, with a missionary priest there. His name's Father Bernard, and um, he will introduce himself as a missionary to China. Mm-hmm. And uh, his whole life uh, is, is motivated by, by understanding that he comes most fully alive when he's pouring his heart out for mm-hmm. others. Hearing his story was mm-hmm. just awesome, you know. He, he was inspired and, and fell in love with... with the region of like the Eastern world by witnessing his father and how his dad poured out in a, in a secular position as a leader in a community that was ended up being positioned in China. And um, it's just, it was so beautiful to see the conviction with which he operates. And I was, I was reminded of that, of that statement from John Paul II that, that um, Mm -hmm. man is most fully himself when he makes a full, a full gift of himself. That's, That's maybe a, Botched quote, Paraphrase. but yeah, uh, that I think sometimes when we talk about evangelization, when we talk about ministry mm-hmm. to the lost, we think this sounds like hard work. Like, yeah. how can I equip myself for this hard, mm. sacrificial yeah. work? Yeah. <laughs> and I think the good news is, like, you will be fully alive yeah. when you love like Jesus. Yeah, you know, uh, the, the the times when I look back in my own life that I've been most fully alive are times on the mission field. Yeah, mm-hmm. like. Times in the middle of Appalachia when the snow's coming down and I'm pouring myself out out mm-hmm. of love for someone who may or may not even appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that 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 being able to actually orient yourself to give mm-hmm. like Jesus gives mm-hmm. is what brings us to life. Yeah, yeah. yeah what's the uh, uh, the the quote in scripture? Where Jesus is like there will be more rejoicing in heaven over the one who is yeah. lost who is found, and it's mm-hmm. like. I, I experienced that in my own life, right? Like there's so much rejoicing when mm-hmm. one who is lost, like, so is found. You just, to your point, that it's so joyful. And if like yeah. you're ministering to someone and they come into deeper relationship with Jesus, they come into the church and you're just like, the, the light goes off in their eyes and they start to see from from heaven's perspective, mm. there's nothing better than that. It's like yeah. it's just mm-hmm. an incredible, incredible joy, which makes the the times that you get like rejected by sharing the gospel not even matter. Like, because you're just yeah. like, I want that again. Like, I'm going to pursue that because yeah. when that one is found, it, there's so much rejoicing, and you actually yeah. experience the joy of heaven and the consolation of heaven in that moment. Yeah, a lot of my friends right now they're having a having little ones, having babies that are, are developing, obviously, and they're learning how to walk and they're having personalities and like all that. And I, I love the the period where like the kid is so um so in love with like the hide and seek like peekaboo game. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it's like um <laughs> and I, I, I don't know where I read this. I or can picture you playing peekaboo for like, like a all, half hour like, for and still all, loving lo- it. Love yeah, it. Yeah. I love You're it. Just, just, I think like, it's for me, full not time peekaboo dad. hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it was funny one of the one of my friends they have a, a a little boy and uh at one point I was playing the game and like they're like I don't I don't think that he's at like the age where he can see it. I'm like, well it's not for him anyway, let's yeah, be yeah. honest. Like, Who's having more um, fun in Peekaboo? But um <laughs> what I was saying was I, I either read it or listened to it somewhere that like the child like 
there's a developmental stage where they actually don't know your face is coming back. So like <laughs> it like disappears and they'll like be like, I have no idea what just happened. And then when it reappears from behind the hands, they're just like, Oh, you're <laughs> back. Yeah. Right. And I don't know. There is something. Dude, I wish I could get like, back in that in stage. that moment. Yeah. But, <laughs> but for anyone who's ever like, if, if, you've ever, <laughs> if you've ever ministered to someone who like, has never met Jesus before yeah. and they authentically encounter him for the first yeah. time. Like that is, it, yeah, is, that's what it's, it is, it's, it is that like that the way that that child responds to the, the face appearing from behind the hands, that literally is what you see in them. And that is worth rejoicing in because like, there's a reason that we keep playing peekaboo with the, the kid <laughs> because there's like this joy that comes from it. It's just, you can't even explain it. It's like okay. the kid's joyful. I'm joyful. So we're no longer talking that about reaching be. the lost. We're talking about playing peekaboo. No, no, no. Like I mean, that is reaching no, the lost. No, 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 it's, 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 I get your analogy. analogy. It's a great no, analogy. No, no, no. <laughs> the, reaching the lost, play peekaboo. Oh That's my. kind for, of For those listening like Dan Dimite, what I was suggesting is just like the face seems lost and is then found. Those like who are seeking Jesus, even if they don't know it, and he's lost, and then he reveals himself. <laughs> oh no, I love this. There's a this joy that good. comes. Oh man, is that right. helpful? That's so good. Lay it out. Hey, Aaron, we have two choices. We can either read scripture right now, or we can play peekaboo. Which one? <laughs> I think if, it's, if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. Which, so yeah. let's uh, let's let's look at the. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was, I was hoping he played peekaboo. He definitely did. <laughs> You're listening to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Beyond Damascus is aired on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network and right here in Central Ohio on St. Gabriel Radio. You can listen to the whole version of today's show at www.ewtn.com slash radio slash podcasts. Or check us out on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. We'll be right back with this episode after a short break. He was a 10th century saint, priest, mystic, and doctor of the church, honored as the first poet of Armenia. Matthew Bunsen and the Doctors of the Church. Gregory of Narek is revered by Armenians as a watchful angel in human form. His masterwork, the Book of Lamentations, was intended to be his last testament, an encyclopedia of prayer for all nations. He was named a doctor of the church in 2015. For more about the Doctors of the Church, visit doctorsofthechurch.com. What have you always wanted to know about the Vatican? Well, I'm your Vatican Insider, and I answer that question when I bring you the news about the Pope, Vatican City, and much more. I answer your wonderful questions about the Church. I share insights and stories told by my amazing guests from a broad spectrum of Church ministries. Vatican Insider with Joan Lewis. Tonight, 9 Eastern on EWTN Radio. Welcome back to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Beyond Damascus is aired on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network and right here in Central Ohio on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. All right, go for it. Let's read from uh, uh, the gospel on finding Jesus finding Zacchaeus, who was yeah. lost. Yeah, yeah. He came to Jericho and intended to pass through the town. This is from Luke chapter 19. Now, a man there named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector and also a wealthy man, was seeking to see who Jesus was. But he could not see him because of the crowd, because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree in order to see Jesus, who was about to pass that way. And when he reached the place, Jesus looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down quickly, for today I must stay at your house. And he came down quickly and received him with joy. And when they all saw this, they began to grumble, saying, He has gone to stay at the house of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood there 
and said to the Lord, Behold, half of my possessions, Lord, I shall give to the poor. And if I have extorted anything from anyone, I shall repay it four times over. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a descendant of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save what was lost. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. I just love that. Like, Lord, Jesus just gives us his mission statement there right at the end. He's like, the son of man, like, why did Jesus come into the world? Jesus, I love when he talks in third person too. He's like, hey, by the way, the son of man has come to seek and to save the lost, right? That that is the mission statement of Jesus. So he wraps it up. That's why Mm -hmm. I have come. And so, Brad, to your point earlier, like, Jesus came to seek and save me Mm -hmm. and you and Mm -hmm. Aaron. And so we we are the lost and Jesus came for us, right? Yeah. And if I want to do the ministry of Jesus and live the life of Jesus, if I want to call myself Christian, I need to live the same mission statement of Jesus. So I could say like, I have come to seek and save the lost. Like by right of my baptism, my yeah. my mission is to seek and save the lost. Yeah. That's why I was born again in Christ Jesus. That's mm-hmm. why like that's that's my life has been redefined yeah. to yeah. seek and save the lost. Yeah. Well, and if like if we can stay on the analogies too, like I was just thinking what, as, the peekaboo analogy? No, not peekaboo, oh, okay, but okay. A, that's not no. <laughs> just wondering. Can we go back there if you want? I was gonna say a similar analogy, but it's not similar at all, like a dissimilar analogy. Um, the uh I, I was just thinking this through like as i was reading that um mission statement of jesus like and listening to your words dan to seek and to save the lost like if i was if i was like at sea and i was a part of like a shipwreck right and i'm in the ocean with a bunch of people yeah and we're lost and some ship comes by and i am by the grace of the moment saved right brought onto the dry ship i'm no longer in the middle of waves i'm no longer drowning my desire is for everyone else that was in the water with me to experience that. Yeah, it's like, yeah. I don't want you to drown. Like, I don't yeah. want you to have to keep fighting the waves. I don't want you to be in the middle of some vast darkness having no idea, like, yeah. what side's up and what side's down. Yeah. And I think, like, man, if that could be our heart as you know we what, Oh, man, I think, it. too, one area where complacency breaks into our Christian life is if I think I've saved myself. Like if, because I go to mass every yes. week, because I pray my rosaries, because I've lived virtuously, I've somehow yes. saved myself. And when I place works like, right. And yeah. my good works yeah. and my, my, like I've merited my own salvation. Sure. It, it robs Jesus mm. of the authority that he has won for us on the cross. And yeah. he's no longer our savior. Yeah. And I've made myself the savior. So then I have no need, like, well, I'd save myself out of that storm. Right. And right. so when I truly know that Jesus has saved me yeah. and, and when I see my own brokenness and the way that the Lord has sa- like brought me out of the drowning moment, that I think creates something yeah. in us yeah. to want to well, seek you, and save. Even just look at the other examples in scripture. Um, I mean, the, 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 the idea of finding what was lost is a, it's a pretty consistent theme you know you see you see jesus the good shepherd who leaves the 99 sheep to find the one Mm -hmm. and uh, you know one thing that is true of sheep is that they don't like they don't shepherd themselves yeah so those 99 are there because jesus is already a good shepherd right right he's already found them he's already tended them and i think my favorite image of this is the is the woman who like turns her house upside down to find that one lost coin why Mm -hmm. because it was so treasured to her yeah yeah and if we would just adopt that heart of, right. you know, Lord, when you call us to the work of evangelization, you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're calling us to love. Yes. Yeah. You're calling us to love someone who's so precious to you. Yeah. And, and, 
and your, your will is that no one will be left behind. Why? Because they're your kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen to that. And it's not like, I even think just of all the different lost analogies in scripture, it's Jesus. He also speaks of the lost sheep of the house of Israel, right? It's like, and we, the house of Israel, the yeah. Catholic church, right? We, mm-hmm. we have a lot of lost sheep, even in our own house. Right. Yeah. And it's like, okay, like we've got like a massive, massive amount of, mm. uh, and so like, let's get our, our people home again. Uh, and, mm-hmm. uh, but, but not just that. And I think sometimes we, we do get lost as Catholics and in, in just thinking about, okay, how do we get the Catholics back in the pew? Yeah. And we don't think about others. And, um, and Jesus had this amazing ability to, to reach out to yeah. everyone, every, like the, he cared so much about the yeah. Samaritans and at the same time, the Pharisees. And it, it was like, there was no group that he didn't love. Yeah. And the intentionality, I think it'd be cool if we could just go through maybe this Zacchaeus account that's, and that's talk sweet. about yeah. the, the four ways Jesus reaches the lost, right? Yep. Um, I think Zacchaeus is really neat in the sense of uh, he's 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 looking. It says that he's looking for Jesus, right? Like he had heard yeah. about him, and he's searching. What's it say that um, uh, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector and a wealthy man who was seeking to see who Jesus was? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wonder, can we like are people seeking Jesus today? That's a, that's a great question. Or, or as you said, even to seek, to seek, to see who he is, you know, yeah. right. I, I think maybe the ones who aren't have just, they've had, they've had a bad experience, right? They're not, they're not fighting against the message of Jesus. They're fighting yeah. against hypocritical Christians who aren't living it well. Yeah. Yeah. I also think it's, it's worth like thinking, so Zacchaeus, like, why did he want to see who Jesus was? Mm. You know, it, it doesn't, it doesn't suggest necessarily that upfront his intentions were the purest. Mm-hmm. Right? Like maybe Jesus was passing through and he's this guy that everyone's talked about, like someone who has a celebrity walking through their town. Yeah. I'm going to get eye shot at this person, right? Like yeah. I want to be able to see them. We're not sure of that. But one, one thing I think is really interesting, if we're using Aquinas, like just his thinking as a foundation, everyone is seeking the good. Yeah. Even mm-hmm. if it's a distortion of it, yeah. right? So like even the person, let's take it to the nth degree, who wants to burn the entire world down. Yep. Like they're perceiving that that would be better than the world existing, right? They're, they're perceiving, yeah. a, even if it's twisted. Are you they're Thanos? Perceiving, no, no, no. But I, I think like it is important. Someone like, who's wearing those giant rings yesterday. <laughs> it's, so impor- it's important to go to the extreme because I think times we can just be like, well, no, that person couldn't be seeking the good. It's like, yeah. no, go to the most extreme. That person, at least in their own mind, yeah. is still seeking a perceived good. Well, I think you can just feel like you actually can love the lost better when you have that mentality. Exactly. That, like, these people are good. Fundamentally, they're, pers- they're good. Like we believe that they're, no, it's not like we're seeking the, like right. the, the junk, you know, no, or like the, fill, they're like, simply perceiving yeah. wrongly, which is yeah. something you do when you're lost. Right. Yeah. And so like Zacchaeus, like it says that he's looking, um, that he's looking for Jesus, right. That he's like, he wants to get to a place mm-hmm. where he can see Jesus. I'm not confident that anyone in the secular world today would use that language, that like I'm looking Mm -hmm. to get a better vantage point to Jesus. But I can tell you this, they're looking to get a better vantage point to themselves, Mm -hmm. right? Like identity is such a word in our culture today Mm -hmm. that like everyone is seeking their identity. Um, And even like, look, it's really funny. If you Google words, it'll show you the use of that word over time. Identity like – it, it's it's been like up and down, but it is on the up. Like, yeah. believe me when I say it's on the up. And um, I, I think there's a reason for that. I think it's because everything that people are looking at in their lives, 
they're seeking to see if they can find a part of their own identity in that. Yeah. And so Zacchaeus, whether he knew it or not, was seeking the same thing. And I love Luke because Luke's a physician. So he writes a bunch of details that you would think may not matter, right? Like Jesus <laughs> is passing through the town. Yeah. So that, that tells us something, right? And we can talk about that in a little bit. But the one I want to focus on right now is that, like, it, it's, it's just, it's so funny that Zacchaeus was like short in stature. And yeah. so I wonder if he's getting to a high point because he's like, well, I'm, I'm short, so I won't be able to see him here. Yeah. And like, there's a part of him that is wrestling with his own identity there. Like, I, I can't see because yeah. I'm short. So I'll climb this tree. I'll, I'll get to a higher vantage point however I can, I guess. Yep. And then when he sees Jesus, Jesus, more than revealing like, I don't know, some grand theological concept to him, he reveals to Zacchaeus who he actually is. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I think that is true in our culture. People want yeah. to know who they actually are. Yeah, and I mean, that doesn't people, happen without finding everyone Jesus. is seeking happiness or they're seeking the good or they're yeah. seeking peace or they're seeking like, and, and <laughs> spoiler alert, Jesus is the end, right? Like yes. he is the way, the truth right. and the life they're seeking him. And they, they may not define it as that, but that's what they yeah. want. And it's just kind of crazy. If we have the answer, why would we not share the answer? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so Let's look at the four ways in which Jesus seeks the lost here. So I, in, in I, I'll categorize them. I'll summarize them. First of all, Jesus meets Zacchaeus where he's at, right? Yeah. Then secondly, he looks at Zacchaeus with eyes of mercy. <laughs> Thirdly, he's spoken to his true identity. Uh-huh. And then lastly, he welcomes Zacchaeus into the Christian community. So, mm-hmm. you know, we got about a half hour left. Why don't we just dive into these? So like Jesus approaches Zacchaeus where he's at. So Zacchaeus is hiding in the sycamore tree and sycamore, tr- sycamore trees traditionally have these huge like branches or uh, so you kind of like hide, like you can't really even see him and yet he's still seen. And, um, but Z- Zacchaeus is, is approached by Jesus. Like Jesus yeah, yeah. seeks him out. And mm-hmm. I think sometimes we don't reach the lost because we don't seek out the lost. Like if the lost show up at church, we'll love them. Right. Yeah. It's not like we're going to be like, Hey, you suck. Right. Like yeah, leave right. our church. Uh, but like, we're not seeking them out. We're not going where they're at. We're not finding them. There's an, yeah. I love like the son of man came to seek and find the lost. Like, Going back to peekaboo, we also like hide and seek, right? Yes. And Zacchaeus is hiding, right? And Jesus yeah. is seeking him. And there's mm-hmm. an element where it's yeah. an active step. And I think this is a cool this is a cool application point too, because every single one of us is gonna have access yeah. to different people in the world. Oh yeah. Like you said at the start of the show, Dan, that, that many of our our viewers today, our listeners, might they may in fact have, have greater access in the course of their daily routine than you and I do. Yeah. Um, that that the individuals that you're that mm-hmm. you're working with every day, you know, the individuals that you're that you're that you're seeing face to face in the course of your everyday life, we get yeah. to we get to hang out with 100 missionaries here at Damascus, but uh, you get to be on the mission field. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I also love the idea that like Jesus approached Zacchaeus where he was, but like Jesus didn't go to where Zacchaeus was, like simply for that encounter. Like, and here's yeah. what I mean by that. Like it says that Jesus was passing through mm-hmm. and I think we pass through life a lot, mm-hmm. you know, like it, it, like at the very beginning of that verse, if I can find it, it says he came to Jericho and intended to pass through the town. So here's yeah. Jesus yeah. in Jericho. He didn't go to Jericho for Zacchaeus. He was passing through Jericho and found Zacchaeus. Yep. And I, I think a lot of times we're like, well, I, I don't know if I want to just go to Walmart just to find someone there. I don't know if I want to just go to the street to find someone there. It's like, 
Well, no, you're already passing through those places. Yeah. Like you can actually just incorporate it into your everyday life. Like you're passing through Jericho's all of the time. Yeah. And so when you're passing through Jericho, like, do you actually observe the people that are there? Yeah. And do you actually give the Lord an opportunity to to draw you to yeah. them, you know? Well, and you know Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit because it's not like he's like, like, oh my gosh, what do I do? What do I do? It was like Holy Spirit highlighted Zacchaeus and he's yes. like, boom, okay, I'm going to love this person right now. Yeah. It's like as he went passing through Jericho, it wasn't like, I can't pass through Walmart and talk to every single stranger at Walmart. <laughs> no, like that. I would never get home that's, for dinner. I'd have issues. And <laughs> yeah. uh, But if I am simply obedient and following the Holy Spirit, that as I pass through yes. life, as I pass through Walmart, as I pass through the gas station, God, if God highlights someone to me, yeah. boom, take a, like, take a moment to invest in that person, yeah. right? Or like, there's the person that you're naturally going to encounter at Walmart, yeah. the cashier. Like, I think a lot of times we over-spiritualize the whole thing. Hmm. It's like, no, like if, if we if we follow that the principles of like abandonment to divine providence, right? Yep. Like that every moment I can live in the providence and the will of God, right? Yep. So if I'm at the cash register, this cashier and I yeah. were destined to have this this interaction. Yeah. <laughs> like just Point blankly. And yeah, again, like yeah. that it, it brings us out of this like over spiritualizing, I think sometimes anxiety ridden place. Yeah. And it brings us into a very human place where yeah. I'm talking to the cashier and I love Jesus. Yeah. And Jesus has changed my life. And I'm going to love this person like Jesus loves me. And if I get the opportunity to tell them about the one who loves me, great. I'm going to yeah. take that opportunity. But yeah. do you see what I'm saying? Like, well, yeah. I mean, you do a great job at the this, Brad. The I, there's, there's not a month that goes by where you don't give some kind of a witness to the person you met at the gas station. Right. Yeah. right. And, and I know that like it's it's one thing to say that this is important. It's another thing just to live it yeah. in mm-hmm. your lifestyle. Yeah. So so yeah. way to be a witness to that. And, and Thanks, brother. I, I, I want to. I want to just invite our audience. Like, as you're asking yourself, how can I live this in my life? To realize that, like, you may not have to change anything. I, so, that's exactly. Yeah. Right. You may not have to change the direction. Uh, right. It, it's it's a change in intentionality and discipline. Yes. Mm-hmm. To say that the person that I've that I've I formed a habit of ignoring, mm-hmm. I need to stop. Like, yeah. I, I, <laughs> right. I need to I need to realize that this is a human being. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. That's amazing. And the. Uh, like seeking Zacchaeus where he's at, I think as a church too, we can start asking those who aren't in the pew, where are they at and how do we help invite them better? And Mm -hmm. I I think sometimes like we try to minister to people where we're at as opposed to where they're at spiritually almost. Like we we try to like teach about the things that are exciting for us, but not ask the question, what are they seeking? Right. Like, I mean, I think a lot of the, the lost sheep of the house of Israel, a lot of the, Catholics who aren't in the pew, they're probably seeking like, how do I deal with my finances more successfully? How do I, mm-hmm. how do I deal with the fact that I'm super busy and my kids are involved in a lot of things and I'm just overwhelmed with life? How do I deal with the fact that, you know, my, I, I got married and life isn't turning out the way I thought it was going to, yeah. or I'm unhappy with my career? Like as a church, we don't really advertise that we're addressing those issues and we may not even address those issues. So we're not communicating the needs of the lost. So they're not coming to, to be fed. And I, I think asking ourselves, what do, what do they need and how can we feed them and provide them something that they desire, meet them where they're at. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and then even like, like Catholic youth summer camp, that's been the heart of our ministry methodology. Like young people are not necessarily like signing up day after day, like, Hey, I want to go on a six day retreat at church. Right. But so we, 
Jesus yeah. camp. So we started a camp model, and we're like, well, kids do like high adventure activities, right? right. So let's let's offer paintball and rock climbing, and you know, like you get to hang out for a week with your friends, and like all of these natural mm-hmm. high adventure fun a- a- aspects that young people desire, bring them in, yeah. and then share the faith. And you know, well. A church may advertise a six-day retreat and not get a huge showing. If you advertise a six-day camp with great adventure and meet them where they're at, yeah. like we have a thousand kids on our wait list right now. Yeah. There's a hunger that yeah. is is being satisfied because, like Jesus, we're meeting yeah. young people where they're well, at. And the camp is all about Jesus, but we bring the high adventure activities to the forefront because it brings those people into saying yes so yeah. they can meet Jesus. Yeah, like, exactly. That's so important. And, and in this story, I wonder, like, how many times did Jesus pass through Jericho? Yeah. Because Zacchaeus has heard about Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. He wants to get eyes on Jesus. Like, I bet Jesus passed through Jericho a time or two or three or four, right? And and Zacchaeus knows about Jesus. He's in Jericho and knows about Jesus. And this brings up a point that I talk about a lot, which is that there's a power in regularity. Yeah. That like, there's just a power in going to the same places. Like, like for, for me, like I I get a coffee once or twice a week and I just go to the same coffee shop because by now Mm -hmm. they know me by name. Mm -hmm. And when I'm in there, like I carry myself differently than most people coming in and out of a coffee shop. Because I'm actually looking to love them. Like, I want to have these conversations with them. Like, Do you I play don't peekaboo wanna, with them? I play peekaboo yeah. with them. No, that would be weird. Then, then, then I would no longer be welcomed back to the I same place. I kind of want to see um, how it goes. Yeah, maybe. I guess if the Lord tells me to, I'll play peekaboo with them. I'm just I'm, I'm moving to the side. But back to the main point, not oh, to sorry. be derailed from. Sorry. I think it's important to note that, like, in our lives, mm. we're doing things regularly. Yeah. You're doing things daily, weekly, and monthly. What if you just did those things at the same place? Yeah. Because like that, that could be just as powerful as you shifting your entire life, right? Yeah. Like it's like, nope, I'm already going out to dinner with my family once a month after evening mass. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. What if you went to the same restaurant where you actually developed relationships with the hosts and hostesses and the waiters and waitresses and let your family witness to those people? Yeah. And it's like, wait, the way they talk to each other and they pray before their meals and the way they never forget my name, like that can be such a huge witness like the high adventure activities that mm. bring people in yep. to a yes to Jesus without them having that immediate um, defensive response, yeah. right? Like if I come up guns blazing, sometimes they're like, you know what? I'm actually okay. Yeah. But if yeah. I come in and I'm like just regular, I'm just Brad and I'm sharing my life with them, it looks different. Yeah, that's sweet. You know? And uh, so that's the first point. Jesus met Zacchaeus where he was at. And I think as a church, we can ask, and as a Christian, we can ask, how can I meet people more where they're at? And secondly, it says that Jesus looked up and he saw him. And I, that, that's so important to, to Zacchaeus's conversion because Jesus saw him and he saw these eyes of mercy in Jesus. And that may have just been the conversion moment right there that, that Zacchaeus was hiding behind this, the, the, the sycamore branches, right? There was yeah. some, there's maybe he was hiding with shame because he was a tax collector. Mm-hmm. He wasn't, he wasn't approaching Jesus because he probably felt unapproachable. And, and yet Jesus saw him. And I think there's so mm-hmm. much that can happen, especially in youth ministry. We say that we want to make sure that every camper is seen and heard mm-hmm. and noticed yeah. and loved, right? That, that just seeing and hearing a person is so critical yeah. because in our world today, so many people go unnoticed. Yeah. I don't, I don't know about you guys, but I, I think, you know, back to kind of how we kicked off the show today with prayer. I, th- I think the secret of this for me 
is just is constantly asking Jesus to give me his heart for people. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I had an experience just this last summer. Um, I, I get to manage a lot of the operations here at camp and the last two summers have been difficult administrative uh, processes. <laughs> because <laughs> because of a worldwide pandemic. Oh, oh, yeah, that's <laughs> right. Um, and there was a there was a day when I was I was particularly overwhelmed and I, I went up to the to the lodge for lunch and I just I, I felt as I was walking up the hill I felt God prompt me to uh, to ask for his heart for the kids. And as I was walking through the, uh, a lunchroom just packed with like ruckus middle schoolers, yeah. every kid I looked to, I, was just, I just said, Jesus, Jesus, mm-hmm. Jesus. Mm-hmm. And um, my heart was like, my heart was transformed in the middle of the lunchroom yep. yeah. <laughs> at camp. Uh, yeah. if, if we adopt the mind of Jesus, if we adopt the heart of Jesus, like you'll find mm-hmm. your lifestyle, your, your normal routine yeah. will be Flipped upside down. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and I think about like the spiritual and corporal works of mercy, if we're talking about eyes of mercy, just yeah. how like actually partaking in something brings about that reality in our hearts. Aaron, you mentioned Appalachia. And like um, my wife, Nina, she's a nurse in a pediatric intensive care unit, you know? And I, and I always say like I get the name missionary, but she goes into work every day with young kids that are dying. Yeah. And, and we regularly have to process a little one passing away, you yeah. know? And I, I was with Nina at a at a funeral that we went to where she was asked to give a eulogy for one of the little ones who had passed. And I was so moved, like just so moved being there because mm. you could see in the family how Nina had brought the mercy of the Lord into like those situations. Yeah. And like, and it was just so beautiful because I, I didn't know the family. I was just there with Nina and she was introducing me to the family. The family were like collectively telling me how much Nina had meant to this little boy yeah. who had passed. And for me, it was like, Lord, Nina was, I guess in the eyes of the world, just doing her job. Yeah. Yep. But she showed up to her job with a heart that was open to love yeah. and with eyes that looked mercy into a situation that needed it. Yeah. Right. Like, and obviously mercy just being like the grace and the love that we, that we, yeah. don't deserve or merit, but desperately need, yeah. right? And yeah. I, I think there's just something to be said there that like those corporal works of mercy that we talk about in the church, like visiting the imprisoned and taking care of the sick, like those in the spiritual works of mercy, when you partake in that, your heart actually begins to transform because we're body, mind, and soul. Yeah. So what I'm doing with my body, my mind and soul, my heart and soul are coming into alignment. With it. And so Amen. I don't know, there's, there's something to that. So if like, you're listening. You're like, okay, Dan, Aaron, and Brad, you guys work for yeah. an apostolate. You do the missionary thing. It's like, yeah, I guess like we have the title of the missionary thing, but the point we've been making is like, there's access in the world to things that those in the ministry world yeah. don't have access to. And yeah, I mean, and uh, I mean, ultimately, Jesus looking with the eyes of mercy, right? And we need a we need to look not with eyes of judgment, but with mercy. And there's yeah. every reason why Jesus could have. Uh, I, I mean. He Zacchaeus was a tax collector. He was a man who needed to be convicted of righteousness because of, he had sin on his in his life, and um, and it was mercy that conquered that sin. It was mercy that changed that heart. And it's as you're say, suggesting in the darkest of areas, mercy is going to change yeah. lives. And so Zacchaeus is, is met. Jesus meets him where he's at. 
He looks in with eyes of mercy, and then he speaks into his true identity. Yeah. I love this the most. Some like theological scholars they say uh, Zacchaeus may not even have been his real name. The, huh. the name Zacchaeus means the pure one, and mm. um, you know it, it, it's possible that Jesus was doing one of those like Simon Peter moments where he was redefining Zacchaeus's life. Like, hey, people have spoken yeah. lies over you, and I'm speaking. You are the pure one. Or if Zacchaeus was his name, which you know it, it's like holy smokes, like how did this guy know my name? Like that's like a word of knowledge <laughs> miracle that Jesus just comes up and like, could you imagine if yeah, you went to Walmart right. and like, yeah. you just walked to someone in the toy aisle, like John, and yeah, it's like, whoa, right, right, <laughs> right. who are you? Yeah. And uh, I used to do that. Actually, I would go to, I would look at a this person is before you knew this Jesus, is before I knew Jesus, <laughs> we'd go to Easton, like the mall. And I would look at a, 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 a oh high school gosh. person and a letterman jacket tells you a lot about a person. It'll have their last name on it. It'll tell you what sports they play, what year they're graduating. I'd go up a like whoa walters what's up walters man hey how's your senior year going and the dude would be like whoa who is this guy like what's he doing i'm like hey man we met at that one football game and he's like we met at the football and i and i would just go on forever and then he would like play along and be like oh yeah yeah man how have you been i'm like dude we've never met before in our life <laughs> like, like, uh, so don't person. do that at home that's horrible but uh uh but jesus does it in a real powerful way he speaks into his identity you're listening to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Beyond Damascus is aired on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network and right here in Central Ohio on St. Gabriel Radio. You can listen to the whole version of today's show at www.ewtn.com slash radio slash podcasts. Or check us out on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. We'll be right back with this episode after a short break. Brian Patrick and a panel of international contributors showcase the universality of Catholicism. Each week on The Catholic Sphere, we connect with EWTN contributors from different parts of the world. Each, I think, has a unique perspective on issues of concern for all of us as Catholics. It reminds us that we're really a universal church. Christ called all of us to be his disciples. The Catholic Sphere, tomorrow afternoon, 2.30 Eastern on EWTN Radio. How are you listening to EWTN Radio right now? Have you ever wished you could listen on a local radio station? Maybe our Lord is speaking to your heart to help make that happen. Don't let a lack of experience hold you back. Find out how you can help start a Catholic radio station where you live. Powered by the truth of the church and EWTN's dynamic radio programming. Email Steve at this address, radio at EWTN.com. Welcome back to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Beyond Damascus is aired on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network and right here in Central Ohio on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. Okay, so this is a really important one, this last point that I I think often goes unnoticed, that Jesus doesn't just... The Great Commission isn't go and smile at everyone and tell them to have a great day and say God bless you when you leave, right? That like <laughs> no, that is real. good. It's right, nice, right, right. but it's not enough. And yeah. it's baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There is a yeah. need to welcome the lost mm. into the Christian community, into the yeah. the the body of Christ in yeah. communion. And so Jesus at the end, he doesn't just say, Hey, I loved on Zacchaeus, that's awesome. Now I'm gonna go home, right? Yeah. He welcomed him and he said, to, yeah. to, like, come down today. We're we're gonna eat at your house. 
house, right? And But he welcomed them into the Christian community. The community in Zacchaeus became one. And we need to make sure we welcome those that we reach out to into the Christian community. Yeah. How, how do you think we can do that? I mean, it's a lifestyle thing. It's yeah. a church thing. It's a, yeah. it's an... Mm-hmm. Are, are our environments prepared to actually welcome people in? You know, Dan, you were speaking about um, about ministering to people's practical needs. I think, so I, I belong to an awesome parish, St. John Newman, and uh, a, a lot of the programs that St. John Newman's offering are actually pr- practically oriented toward evangelization, yep. which, is, which mm-hmm. is awesome. If that's not happening in your parish, like... Yeah. You can influence change. Yeah, right. uh, to <laughs> right. actually <right>. whoa, <laughs> volunteer, volunteer to be a part of, of making it happen. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think the other piece, Brad, you were witnessing on on the way on the way in today that like uh, you were up late last night, yeah, welcoming and hosting a small group yeah. in your home. Like mm-hmm. community doesn't just community doesn't exist in the world. It's not a commodity that you can buy off the shelf. Like community is something that we have to create by the investment of our heart. Right. Yeah. And, and you are, you are like, you are like the foundation for Christian community. I think a lot of times we can like, in the name of perfection, we can lose progress. Yeah. So it's like, I'm not going to welcome them into Christian community until I have the perfect one. And it's like, (laughs) that's just never going to happen. You're never going to have the perfect one, but you have a family at home. Yeah. Your family is a Christian community. It's a Christian community. And and your family might do things when people are over that aren't ideal, but (laughs) but, but they also, but maybe the Lord can work in that. Right. (laughs) Exactly. And like, I just think, um, this has been really helpful for me just in my Christian walk that I'm not going to lose progress towards Jesus in the name of perfection. Mm-hmm. So like I might have a parish that might not do the best at welcoming someone in right away. I'm still going to welcome them in yeah. because at the end of the day, it might not be perfect, but I'm going to trust that Jesus that's, can that's work awesome. in that. Yeah, right. Like, awesome. like I, I just really do think that catches us um, up sometimes yeah. <laughs> that, that like process. And so like, yeah, your, your house, like, might not be the perfect house for hosting, but just start hosting, yeah. right? Like your church might not be the perfect place to have soft entry evangelization, also known as, right, like just welcoming someone who's coming in for the first time. But yeah. like do it anyway, and then you'll discover it as you do it. Yeah. Right? I mean, even, even look at the example of Jesus in the, in the gospel, right? That, yeah. hey, you know, how did he form Christian community? He said, we're going to have dinner at, right. your, yeah. at, your, at house. your house. <laughs> right, right. No, like, exactly. I got to start trying that. <laughs> dinner at your house. Well, <laughs> I'm going to start evangelizing to all well, it's Italians. Also worth, it's also, be like, hey, we're going to go have dinner at your it's house. It's also worth noting that the Son of Man had no place to rest his head. <laughs> oh, so okay, he didn't okay. have a house to welcome them back. To. So if you have a house to welcome them back to, you can probably that, that can work too. use yeah. your house. But. All right, so I want to just kind of wrap up the show in prayer, and I think really uh, praying that we would have a heart for the lost and then also just praying for the lost. Brad, you want to close us? Yeah, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Jesus, you speak that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And so we know that those who are not with you, Lord, mm-hmm. they're lost, they're lied to, and they're lifeless. And that is not a condemnation on them, but rather it's an opportunity for us to bring them out of that into your marvelous light. So we pray that today, God, you would stir in us a hunger for evangelization that we haven't had before, specifically to those who don't know you, who don't know the good news of the gospel, and who are not part of a Christian community that loves them just as they are, but way too much to keep them that way, Lord. Yeah, thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, we just uh, pray for... um, all those who are watching today, that you would just bless their mm-hmm. evangelization efforts. I pray for yeah, supernatural Jesus. conversions to take place, that you would uh, take the burden off of our shoulders to be the one yeah. who saves and that you would be the one who saves, Lord. 
We thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Friends, thanks for listening to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. You can listen to the whole version of today's show by going online to www.ewtn.com slash radio slash podcasts or searching for Beyond Damascus on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. 